Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The Late Lunch, brought to you by Blackstone Motors, Drogheda, Dundalk and Cavan. Save thousands on the Renault Megane E-Tech 100% electric for the month of August and drive off with an electric vehicle bonus and SEAI grant. See blackstonemotors.ie. Welcome to Late Lunch. Well, I have to begin by saying what a day we had in Late Town yesterday. And thank you so much to everybody who made us so welcome. And once again, the sun shone on us along the seafront in Late Town, Betty's Town. And just reminding you that next Tuesday, we coast along this time to Carlingford in North Louth. And last word on yesterday, when we finished up the show, I met two wonderful young men called Lachlan Holcroft and Matthew McCallion. They were there with their nana on a day visit to Late Town. I want to say hello to her too and their mammy. They're great guys, they're young fellas and they're big LMFM fans. Keep on listening, boys. So let's begin today with a very good friend of ours. You know her well. Irish independent columnist, broadcaster and so many other strings to her bow. Sarah Carey, welcome back. Thank you, Jerry. Thank you for that lovely introduction and great to be back. It's great to have you with us. Well, I suppose, can we close the book on this one? Because you and I have spoken about it a couple of times in recent weeks. The Ryan Tuberty affair and my word, I've been reading over the weekend and into the early days of this week trying to make up my mind one way or the other. Can I ask you this? Is Ryan Tuberty Kevin Backhurst's Trojan horse? Well, uh, so if by that you mean is Ryan Tuberty the means by which Kevin Backhurst can now tackle every presenter in RTE and say to them, I'm cutting your pay and there's nothing you can do about it because everyone is dispensable, even Ryan Tuberty, then yes is the answer. It's put him in an extraordinarily strong position and I think one that has taken everyone aback but I think in a good way, you know, I think this could be a real turning point because, as you know, Jerry, and we've talked before and sure the country is talking about this idea that RTE presenters were able to say, well, you have to pay me this because otherwise I leave and then uh, people will stop listening. It's all gone on its head now. All bets are off. And um, it's going to be really, really interesting to see what happens. I presume that most of the presenters will just take their cut because... Where are they going to go? We were always told they could go other places, but there really aren't that many places to go. So it's going to be interesting times, isn't it? It is going to be interesting, and that is precisely what I meant by the question. And here's the other thing. On Monday, uh, as we were on air, I just saw as well at that stage, Kevin Backhurst come out and says he won't deal with Noel Kelly, agent of the stars, i.e. Joe Duffy, Claire Byrne, Catherine Thomas, Duran Garrahy. I mean, I don't know, Jerry. are we'd be about to embark on a whole series of legal actions. You know, let's say I am a presenter, you know, and I say, well, I want Noel Kelly to represent me. I don't know what the legal position about that is. You know, can Backhurst force presenters to deal with them directly or will they have to get another agent? I mean, that's just one whole area in itself that's going to open up now and see how it works out. Now, Noel Kelly has um, a number of different companies. He's got a whole marketing thing, uh, you know, going on where he organises events and all that. Being an agent is one part of his business, so who knows what the future holds for him. Uh, maybe media organisations like News Talk or whatever might deal with them. I don't know, but it's a very uncertain future for all of them, isn't it? 
It certainly is. And as you say, a marker has been laid down and we let that other stuff take its course as it happens. Do you believe the door is fully closed to Ryan Tuberty at RT? Because there was a sense that he's gone at the moment, but it's not locked entirely. I don't know, Jerry. At this stage, it looks pretty definitive to me. Now, maybe five years, who knows? But I certainly can't see anything happening now for the next three years. And it's just extraordinary that he was so close to coming back. And there was a kind of a public acceptance and a desire for him to come back. There was clearly a lot of um, uh, people objecting still in RTE, though. You know, it was clearly still an issue. And it is just amazing to me how close he was. The fundamentals have been sorted out. And then a statement he issued, what was it, a week ago now, in which he appeared to dispute the pay for 2020 and 2021 unraveled at all. And you know what amazed me about that, Jerry, was, you know, I work in communications and PR a few days a week um, in what I call my day job. And if any organisation I'm working with is issuing a press release that mentions another organisation, you do a lot of choreography around that. You know, you check uh, with the other organisation, well, this is what we're going to say. And uh, I can't believe that Tuberty issued that statement and didn't check with Backhorst before he issued it. And that's what did it for him. He had it. He was he was so close to going back. And then at the last minute, at the last hurdle fell. It's just incredible. It's good to talk, they say, but maybe you have to time your talking as well. And that's the message that's come from from this one for yeah. sure. But look at anyway, it has uh, had some legs, the story, a, a bit more to go, as you said there, with regards to others as their contracts come up. But we'll watch this space. Let's move on. And uh, last evening, the Rose of Tralee concluded. And some of your fellow columnists in independent newspapers have been putting forward different views on the competition. Some say it should be scrapped, it shouldn't be on the national airwaves anymore, whereas others like it and have an affinity for it. Where does Sarah Carey stand? Well, I don't watch it myself now. And, you know, let's face it, Jerry, it is the lovely girls competition uh, that we all know from <laughs> Father Ted. But I'd leave it where it is. It does have um, an important place in Irish society. And indeed, one of my fellow columnists, Darren McManus, was just pointing out on Monday that it's the show everyone claims not to watch, but it gets huge numbers for RTE. Last year, 1.3 million people watched it across the two evenings. There are very, very few programmes that get those kind of numbers now. And as long as it's pulling in those numbers, then RTE will continue to air it. And as long as they're airing it, then the show will go ahead. And I know one thing that always does strike me on the odd time when I might have a look at it. For all the slagging off and cynicism and complaining that it is a lovely girls' competition, when the camera flicks to the audience and you see the parents and the friends in the audience bursting with pride and love and affection. And that huge issue for the diaspora, you know, the girls coming in uh, from abroad and how much Ireland means to them, like, that's genuine. There's nothing cynical about that. And that's where you can see that it is unique in the world and that it's not just a beauty contest. There's uh, layers of connection to families and to Ireland going on in this. And I think that's why it survives. Because there is that authentic sense of family and of Ireland in it. And there's really nothing else like it in the world. So as long as that love uh, is there, and as long as those numbers are showing up, then the roads of Trilly will go on. We mentioned uh, Catherine Thomas in the context of Noel Kelly's stable of uh, stars. And, of course, she's come in this year to co-present with Dahi. Is that, in a way, um, what would you say trying to change <laughs> the whole perception of it. Absolutely, because what was adding to um, the lovely girls aspect of it was, you know, the guy in the tux interviewing them. And do you remember when Gay Byrne used to be doing it and mm. uh, take, taking off their sandals for the yes. Irish dance and all of that stuff? Like, it really was incredibly patronising. So I think bringing in a woman to be the co-host was actually a good idea. And take the worst... <laughs> first class of it, of the man interviewing the lovely girl, you know. So that was a big improvement and I think that really has helped us. 
Yeah, she says herself uh, she feels it's modernised, but what else would she say when she's been drafted in there? One thing I will yeah. give it credit for, uh, when you do look back over the years and you wonder, well, whatever happened, uh, the young woman who became Rose, to come to mind for me, Gabby Logan, uh, the sports presenter on BBC, well-renowned, appeared on the Rose Italy and said she wanted to be a TV presenter. I did not know that. That's fantastic. That's great. But I am always amazed. Like, when they are being interviewed, they are serious women. And they've got serious mm. careers and serious academic achievements. And they do have great talents. Like, they are brilliant. So when you compare it to those awful beauty contests, like, there really is no comparison. Yeah. So um, so long live the Rose of Chile, I think, Jerry, is my conclusion. And I have to mention Maria Walsh, who uh, I yes. know myself personally, the first gay woman to win the Rose of Chile and picked up by Leo and Fine Gael to become an MEP. Yeah, which just shows you, like, it is in a different league. And, and look, and what would a columnist do without uh, the Rose of Chile? Look, it all be uh, writing that generates every year with people <laughs> saying whether or not they're for or against. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's like the back to school debate isn't it Jerry it keeps us going every August <laughs> it does and with that, those words columnist and back to school it's a topic you were on at the weekend in the uh, independent and you, you wrote brilliantly may I say about the primary school books for free and everything else besides just for our listeners today who may not have read you I'm sure they all did but anyway if they didn't you welcome this with open arms well, I'm amazed, Jerry, that it hasn't gotten more publicity. So this year, and I couldn't believe it when we got the note from the school, the Department of Education is paying for all school books, and then if the grant to each school covers a copy, stationery, anything that's needed for numeracy or literacy, parents no longer have to pay for across primary school. Like that's extraordinary. Now I know lots of schools were doing things like bringing in rental schemes. So up till this year, I would pay maybe something like 25 euros to school for one set of books that would be in the rental scheme. But there was always another 50 or 60 for other books. And the stationery was a bloody fortune. And you get this list of all the exact copies and folders and everything that were needed. So fair dues to Norma Foley now. She's brought this in. And the way it works is that every school gets the grant of 96 euro per child. And then they can spend that. And if it doesn't cover everything, well, then the parents have to make up the difference. But that's plenty, you know, to spend for people. So what I was just worried about and what I was addressing in my column is that what's kept some kind of downward pressure on prices for books is parents and columnists complaining every single year about them. And I was afraid, well, if the department is just going to write the check now, does that mean all the attention is removed from that issue? And will publishers just start putting up prices or schools just adding in all these extra silly workbooks, you know, because they won't care, because mm. they won't have to listen to parents complaining. But the way the scheme works, because of this 96 euro, that if the school doesn't spend the full 96 euro, they can carry forward the surplus to the next year or they can use it to buy other materials in the school, say extra library books or maybe puzzles and games to help numeracy. And that means every school principal and every board of management is incentivized to make that €96 Euro go as far as possible. And I'd be really interested to see now over the next few years when the principals are making up book lists and they're the ones paying for that book list now, not the parents, will they think twice about putting down workbooks, which we all know are bloody stupid, Jerry. We all got educated without workbooks. You know, they're a terrible waste of money. Yeah. And even for the environment, filling them out and then throw what I throw out every year in paper and cardboard. So before this is extended to secondary school, where the books are way more expensive, I was suggesting in the column that department sit back now for maybe three or four years and see how this plays out in terms of how books are ordered and what happens to the prices. Because what you wouldn't like is, say, they brought it in for secondary school and that's it. Nobody ever cared about the price of books anymore and the situation got even worse. Yeah, that's a point well made. So the mm. frugal principal and board yeah. of management will uh, work the oracle here, hopefully. And hopefully, as, yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. that's what we're, what we're looking at. And I was just yeah. thinking myself as you were speaking there, back um, showing my age here, and, and I was only a nipper at the time, but free education and Don O'Malley, nineteen sixty-seven, Sarah. 
And, you know, and it really, really did make a difference. And it's such a cliche, but I'm not joking. I did hear a posh old lady, she said to me about 10 years ago, oh, yes, we couldn't get any help after they brought in free education because people were able to get qualifications and and get jobs and didn't need to go into service and do domestic labour anymore. And uh, it really, really was a revolution. And Don O'Malley just announced that. Like, he hadn't checked with the department because he knew that they would object to it. So once he announced it, that's it. It was a done deal. And and that policy of making sure that the whole population is educated is carried forward to today and right into third level now as well, where we're one of the most educated societies in Europe and indeed the world. So... You know, Ireland now is a very different place, isn't it, than it was 40 years ago. And you're very lucky to be born in Ireland where you can get that. I know it still costs money, you know, to go to university. As some say it should, because the person who benefits most from a university education is the student themselves. You know, so, you know, there is a case for that. I don't know, did you see as well in the papers on Monday, Jerry, that... um, School enrolments for private schools are at their highest level since before the Celtic Tiger. So people are willing to pay for education. So when uh, the bulk of people uh, can get a lot of it for free, you know, it it is great. It really is. It is. And it's it's, uh, only proper to mention Donna in the context of what we've been talking about there and acknowledge what he did for everybody. And so many have benefited from it. You're fantastic and you're so good to us on Late Lunch. I really appreciate it. And I say to listeners again, read this wonderful lady and the uh, Saturday Independent online in independent newspapers. She is fantastic. Thought provoking always and so interesting to have a chat with. Until the next time, Sarah Carey, I appreciate all you do for us. Thanks a million, Jerry. Take care. Bye-bye. The Late Lunch, brought to you by Blackstone Motors, Drogheda, Dundalk and Cavan. Test drive the all-new AA award-winning 232 Dacia Jogger today. The most affordable seven-seater on the market with exclusive roof box. See blackstonemotors.ie. Yes, Sarah Carey, always with lots to say. Wonderful woman, great opinions. And again, reminding you, she's a columnist with independent newspapers in the paper and online. Check her out. She's simply fantastic. Now, if you're an LMFM radio bingo player, you'll be delighted to hear that the lucky numbers game continues. And one lucky player will win a thousand euro during the month of August. Next Tuesday's jackpot is seven thousand two hundred euro. So make sure to get your book today. Best of luck to the lucky number winners so far. Jacinta Kilty from Navin, James Flynn, who lives in Cloughhead, and Frank O'Malley from Drumconrath. Buy your book today from outlets across the northeast. And remember, when you play LMFM Radio Bingo, you're supporting the Gary Kelly Cancer Support Centre that supports so many people right across the northeast. Rugby World Cup is imminent. It is indeed. Can we win it? Can Ireland win the World Cup? Just contemplate that for a moment. They've had a great time winning championships here in Europe. But can we go all the way in France and win the big one? The All Blacks, I'm sure, will have something to say about that. Australia and South Africa. But anyway, we have a fantastic prize here on LMFM Radio. And you could win it. It's the big one. Yes, Ireland against South Africa at the Stade de France in Paris on September 23rd. We want to send you and a friend to support Ireland on their World Cup journey. We have return flights, three nights in Paris and gold category match tickets with hospitality. Wow! How can you win this ultimate rugby experience? You've got to tune in next Monday morning at 8.15am here to LMFM Radio and Chris on The Breakfast Show and that prize could be yours. All will be revealed. Imagine going to that big match at the Rugby World Cup and if we go on to win it, you'll be able to say... I was there. It's all paid for. So make sure you're tuned in next Monday morning at 8.15 to Chris on The Breakfast Show. Late Lunch LMFM Radio this Wednesday afternoon. Coming up after two on the show, I'm heading for Slane. I am indeed. And Rosie May's Wonderful Gardens. What a difference a few weeks makes in an Irish gardening and weather context. Last time I was here with Rosie May in our wonderful gardens near Slane, we were just wallowing in sunshine. Rosie, what has happened in July? Well, there's been a bit of a deluge. I'm sorry to 
all of the parents with children and everybody who likes a bit of sunshine, I was thrilled initially. So when we got the rain, I was literally just delighted because we were going around with 600 litre cube and a sprayer and trying to water the garden. And now typical I think gardeners and farmers were all the same it's like okay that was great now stop now (laughs) but I believe it's to continue for another little while if only we could say stop and it would stop wouldn't it be wonderful but here's the thing as I walk around the corner of your house and just look around me here Ah, the colour, the beauty, it's here, but it's a different time of year, a different season. You were just saying to me, you call it, is it an an autumn settling? I always feel from now on, once August starts really, Mm. I mean, you're just kind of settling into autumn, which is actually probably my favourite time of the year. I know lots of people love spring and I probably that's my second favourite, but I just love, there's something about autumn. Mm. All the work is done and the colours mature and... You know, there's just even trees start to change, you know, and put on their autumn, you know, colours and stuff. But as you can probably see, even from here, I'm a little bit of an obsessive when it comes to hydrangeas. (laughs) That's an understatement, folks. (laughs) I can see for sure. And they're absolutely amazing. Let's walk. Come on. Let's let's walk along and talk. I hear the boys, our friends up in the trees are more active than ever. Yes, well, they haven't gone off for the day yet. I was actually up there just picking up a few. I had done some cutting back. Yes. And I suddenly realised, oh, I haven't picked it all up. <laughs> Jerry will be picking his way through <laughs> through the weeds on the path. Uh, I was also noticing then, yeah. I was like, oh gosh, they're not gone off for the day. Because during the summer, they literally disappear mm, in the day. Mm. And then they come back in the evening and they settle in. Look at your man up there. Yeah, I see. I see them and your swallows are flying around as oh, well. Yeah. Oh, it's beautiful, so it is. Okay, so talk to me about what we're looking here at the beds uh, just at the back of the house. Okay, well, I actually also just mentioned that, you know, I was cutting back. And this is also that time, midsummer, um, the height of all the blooms have, you know, gone over. Like you can see the last time the roses, see they're all mm, cut back. Mm. And actually the catmint, <laughs> I only did that last week, and that was out on the path. But when you interplant with, say, something like long flowering, like geranium roseanne, you think you're going to miss it. And my friend Brida always used to say, because I'd be like, oh, do I have to cut it? And she'd say, yes, because you won't miss it once it's gone and taken away. Because your eye is then drawn to whatever else is in bloom. So geranium roseanne and the lovely eryngium here. Oh, look, come this over here. Amazing. This is absolutely amazing. Look at the colours here. Yeah. Now, if it was a bit warmer, and it will be hopefully later on, this would be completely covered in bees. Mm. Um, eryngium, and this is big blue. Um, it's just, it's like a, it's a thistle-like flower, which, but this is the very intense blue. And I'll show you later on, we have a, a grey one up there as well. Oh, and there's a goldy one over there called Neptune's Gold. Um, so just, the roses have gone over, but I have cut them back in the hope. Now, do you see the new growth? I see it. So, by September, I'll hopefully have a second flush of roses. Mm-hmm. With all that rain, have you heard of the term balling so the roses especially in the hybrid teas that only have like I say a single flower and then the flower is just about to open and it lashes rain and the exterior gets wet and then the sun comes out and the sun dries the exterior it's kind of in a ball and it can't open because Mm. it's like a glue so that happened to the kind of the later roses but luckily you see June was so warm May and June so the roses have had their time in the sun if you literally (laughs) pardon the expression except for that beauty up there do you see that? I see it vibrant red isn't that just amazing and that actually is the rose WB Yeats Ah. uh, which I particularly my brother actually um, ordered it for me when it came out you know when it was uh, it was bred especially uh, as a commemorative rose and it's a later flowering rose and it just keeps going that'll keep going till the first frosts it's beautiful I want to get nearer to it to see it let's walk up through the path here because something else has caught my eye which I want to talk to you about well first of all we pass the first of the Look at the hydrangeas here. I know. Isn't that amazing? Amazing. Now, poor old Annabelle has gone south, but you're, she, you, you forgive her because she's kind of blow, big and blousy. It's hard to, to believe, but there's actually loads of supports in there, but just the rain has been too much. Mm. These ones on the edge, they're uh, hydrangea limelight. That's a panicle hydrangea, so that's kind of a, or a pointy one, as I always say. Very, very technical. And I love those because they start off lime, mm. and then they kind of turn a lovely white. See the very huge one yes. there in the middle? And then they kind of go in the end, by the end of the like say November, they're a brown which you can either leave 
or you can just, you know, deadhead. Yeah. It's up to yourself, you know. Oh, they're gorgeous. But look at this as we go beyond them <laughs> because there's a yellow here and a beautiful pink with a little orange uh, heart on it. Well, both are actually prolific. <laughs> that's um, not meant to be there because that's the white bed, but I had to leave it. You couldn't pull it no. out. That is a yellow evening primrose. If you can kind of get your nose in there and I give will. it a good, good sniff. Oh, my. Beautiful. Beautiful. Yes. And then the pink is uh, something that will probably instill fear in a lot of gardeners with smaller gardens because it's Japanese anemone. And I think it's, it's, it's got robust in its name anyway. I can't remember which one it is, but that will give you an indication of what it's like. <laughs> but isn't it gorgeous when you it's have the room? It's gorgeous. You yeah. have the room and you do have so the I'll river. Have to kind of hold so it up no, go ahead. We'll bustle our way by. I know what you're saying. Yes, we'll, we'll try and treat it with as gentle a... A movement as we can as we move up on along the path as well. Climbing up in the garden up to the height behind the house. Here we are, WB8. Let's have a look at this at, at, at close quarters now. Oh my, it is beautiful. Isn't Such it? a beautiful, beautiful red rose. And it'll just keep flowering right through. Yeah, because in fact yesterday I I, mi- I missed, well I didn't miss one, but I see half of it is still in bloom. So I just left that stem there. But see the, all those stems that I cut, cut off mm. yesterday? And then to see the new ones... There's one, two, three, yes. four. Yeah, new ones coming up. It so comes through quickly yeah, then. Quickly. Yeah, quickly. Yeah. Blue is the colour as we <laughs> move up along again here. Yeah. Look at this. This is the hydrangea here in yeah. blue and, and shades of purple, purple. and maroon, and, uh, and you name it. And white. And white stuck in there too, yeah. yeah. So again, different varieties. I'm a devil for rescuing hydrangeas. Um, in fact, that huge one, that came from my father's garden. I bought it for him about 25 years ago and planted it here. But we had hailstones three weeks ago. And the hailstones, that's what actually made Pearl, Annabelle and that one flop. So that's going to get a rejuvenation prune this autumn. We do have neutral to acidic soil here. So they are blue. And in fact, this is a case in point here, this one. My sister-in-law bought that and it was beautiful blue. And when she planted it in her garden in Dublin, it went pink. So anyway, that was the end of that. She didn't want a pink hydrangea, so it came to live here. <laughs> and so I send her a photograph every autumn just to annoy her. <laughs> it's fab, isn't it? It's fabulous. So yeah. the soil determines. Yeah, just with the older varieties, like that white um, mop head. And there's mop heads and there's the panicle hydrangeas, as I said, the pointy ones. Do you see on the other side, there's a kind of a dark purple yeah. one kind of just through there. Some of the newer varieties, I think there's one called the Musical Collection. It's, it's got a guitar on the label. <laughs> and they tend to keep their colour no matter what kind of soil you put but these mm. old fashioned older ones you can buy a colorant if you want to make them blue but that mm. sounds like an awful lot of work mm. to me I mean a pink is lovely I have a beautiful pink one down there yeah. as well I'll show you and then that one is vanilla fraise that starts off white that panicle one there and then that'll turn a most beautiful pink which is fab now you mentioned pruning so you let them flower and die back mm. and then you prune is it no I always wait with Irish winters. I always prune them in the spring. Okay, so don't do anything if you have them and no. you're listening to us. Leave them be till next spring. Absolutely. And then sometimes there's people who say, my hydrangeas never bloom. And again, just it's actually very simple. Those mop head ones, the rounded kind of flower, just leave those. They'll go all brown and everything and they'll look horrible. And next, even probably the end of March, maybe even April, because I have some that I did prune too early down there and I've lost this year's flowers because... <laughs> Now, I don't know whether it's an old wives' tale or not, but I think it does work. That kind of dead head on the top, the dead last year's bloom, that protects the leaves underneath, and that's where your flowers are going to be. Whereas the panicle ones, these pointy ones, those ones you could cut in November if you want. I do tend to do it in February because it just li- literally looks like sticks. Mm. It looks like sticks for six months of the year. So you can cut those. See the heavy frame, the base there. What you're trying to do with those, because there's masses and masses of these blooms, you're trying to create this kind of low, sturdy framework. So I cut back to about 18 inches and then it grows right back up and it's got a strong base to carry those big blooms. Some people uh, shudder when you say cut things so tightly, but it I does know. really prompt growth and it does... Uh, the business that they come back stronger than ever. On yeah. we move up under our friends overhead oh, who yeah. are cackling away there. <laughs> yes. The colony has increased since I arrived here first. More hydrangeas on our right here. What's yeah. this little genteel fellow here? Lovely. Isn't that just magnificent? What is that, Rosie? So that's a hydrangea as well, but it's a lace. It? Yeah, it's a lace cap. Isn't it lovely? See the little lacy kind yes. of centre. And I again, I treat that like the mop heads. I don't prune it until 
you know, until late spring. Listen, let's pause the chat there for just a moment. We'll continue our walk with Rosie May in our wonderful gardens. Yes, I'm with the Insomniac Gardener today, just outside Slane, and so enjoying my walk through the flowers and more besides. Back in a moment. Look on your left. Beautiful. Isn't it amazing? Uh, it's funny, I don't even probably see it anymore. I'm so used to it. But isn't it fabulous? So pink, pink hydrangea. And it is just fully in bloom. It's so gorgeous. It really is. you know is. why that's pink? Because, do you see the, the wall? Mm. Um, I actually, that wedding cake tree, I drove over that with the lawnmower years ago, as I told you before. So we had to build a wall around it to make sure I never went near it again. But we actually brought in soil. So the soil is not native. So the hydrangea, that old-fashioned hydrangea, went pink, because its sister, because they both came from from my father-in-law's house in Galway. Look at the sister. That's the same plant. Different colour. Different colour because it's in our native soil. Just shows you the soil thing. We're back to that as we spoke about before. What is that shrub beside the hydrangea there? It's a cotinus or a smoke smoke bush because you can see the, the the. flowers are inflorescence mm. they're kind of like 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 you know clouds of smoke and there's a slightly smaller one there a young lady yes. and then that's a grand big nettle right in the middle ah, of the so why not <laughs> why not we head down towards the, the pond area yes, are we are ab- more hydrangea it's know. hydrangea day with rosie may sure and i can't say they're everywhere <laughs> yeah they're, they're smaller ones <laughs> they're uh, little lime mm. i haven't even brought you over there it's loads of more <laughs> over there oh, look at the 30 down there so down to the pond area and the lower part of the garden because we were talking the last day we were here, it was so dry. Well, you have plenty of water now and moisture. Plenty of water. And in fact, look at how happy they mm-hmm. are. Because this one is the beautifully named Pinky Winky. Hydrangea Pinky Winky. <laughs> and then we've got just, again, flower carpet roses. That unusual looking yoke there, that's an Aurelia. And it's called the, or the Devil's Walking Stick. And if you look close, do you see the spikes on it? I do. So I was going to move it because, of course, you know, you make mistakes when you're planting and I planted it way too close to the other tree, but it can stay because I ain't trying to move that. Look. Don't touch that. Don't touch that. Don't touch so that. Can... Uh, it's lovely. And we look at the pond. It's completely covered in pond weed, which is the norm yeah. at this time of the year. It's thriving within the water. Loads of roses here as we walk yeah. by as well. Yeah. And uh, they've had their day. As you say, there'll be uh, more blooms and you see them you can see the yeah. buds on them there's more yeah. blooms yeah. on the way yeah absolutely and but that's that is important to constantly deadhead which is a pain I have mm. to be honest because you know I, I walk the dog and I go down here and I go oh, and never seem to have I either have the clippers and no basket so then there's piles I drive Porrick mad because there's piles all over the place and then he wants to cut the lawn and I've got a big pile of cuttings <laughs> and he has to drive around it <laughs> these didn't last long enough for your visit but you can still see them do you see the loveliest stillbies yes I could not grow a stilbies for years and it was too dry so we Porrick made a, a false edge to the pond yeah. and w- once he put the stones in I put in uh, soil and then the, the water it's kind of like a blotting paper it mm. just it just kind of wicks up the water mm. at the edge of the pond and then roses as you say more stilbies to see the dark pink and then we've got just Oh, various different things there's bamboo but to see the huge leaves massive aren't they interesting can you manage to yes they're like giant rhubarb in the pond as well or at the back yeah. the backdrop of the pond yeah that's a big gunnera and that's one of the first things we planted um, that was pro- that's probably about 20 years old because it literally was the, the first mm. um, year we moved in and then that one over there is Darmera Palata Um, and then this one here is Ponticum and then look at this beautiful oh gorgeous isn't that just gorgeous that's Mm. um, very unusual Aram it's uh, called Flamingo Mm. and if you just listen for a second can you hear that do you hear the water yes yes let's walk through before we finish stay along the edge of the pond and I certainly can hear the water like Should be dry at this time of the year, yeah. and yet the water is flowing away there, bubbling Absolutely. along. Yeah. And just so that I know there's a lot more hydrangeas there, but look, that's a ligularia. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so just to have something different. Uh, again, they love the edge of the pond, yeah. and there's a, that tall one over there is another ligularia. So lots Terrific. lots more kind of interest here. Lots Before we go down and lots more. to see. Look at this. Here we go. We started, so we got to finish with them. Our final call on the hydrangeas today. Yeah in Rosie May's garden. So final word about them. Tell, tell me about these ones here. Well, again, these are just like a lot of the old-fashioned hydrangeas and we had, you know, kind of put the gravel down here and 
I decided we weren't going to really plant anything and of course then I started planting and what did I plant? Hydrangeas <laughs> just because it's lovely and shady yeah. and they're very happy hydrangeas and ferns as you can see just further down there lots and lots and I just love the old fashioned mm. mop head varieties mm. and they're very happy there so why they're not? very happy is right well listen thank you so much again for hosting me in your wonderful gardens and giving us a, another view this August time and uh, I do feel the softness beneath my yes. feet in the lower part of the garden here yes. it's unbelievable to think that we're in August and it's like this yeah absolutely and again remember the last time we were here this was so dry and I was explaining we planted that willow mm. the weeping willow and that almost honestly in June it just lost all its leaves and it looked really unhealthy and look at it now but there's one thing for sure Hydrangeas rule in August in Rosie May's wonderful gardens. <laughs> Thank you for inviting me again. See you soon. See you soon. I love You're with Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. From the garden to the kitchen with Tara Walker. I'm back with Tara Walker and we're cooking on a budget, Tara. Yes, so we're back on our four for six cooking on a budget slot but today we're just a little tiny bit over budget now you'll know last week we came in under budget except this time we're going to get a second dish out of this so we're going to get a lovely lunch for the next day as well so we're making an Italian style chicken stew a lovely kind of hearty easy to cook dish perfect for midweek meal and really easy to scale up so I'm going to cook for four people today but you could easily throw an extra batch in there and pop it into the freezer for another day. So we're not talking about just budget in terms of the cost of the ingredients. It's also your labour time, your electricity, gas, whatever you're cooking on. So I'm starting by heating a very wide, shallow sort of um, casserole type pan, uh, like a Le Creuset type here. And I have some rapeseed oil and I'm just going to get that nice and hot and then we're going to just brown off our chicken. So we need to hear a nice sizzle. So we'll just let the heat go through there. And as you can see, I'm just brushing my rapeseed oil all around the pan just to make sure it's evenly coated and the chicken doesn't stick. And the chicken for this recipe, you're going with chicken breasts? I am going with chicken breasts based on you and I having a chat about this earlier because chicken pie for me is tastier and it's a more budget-friendly cut of meat. But I do think most people, well, a lot of people prefer chicken breast. So we're going with chicken breast here. But definitely, if you like chicken thigh, use chicken thigh fillets. You can get them from your butcher or most supermarkets nowadays. And that'll even make this dish more economical. Exactly, exactly. So we're starting now. I have my chicken breast. I'm doing four chicken breasts here. And these are huge. I also considered cutting these in half because we've loads of vegetables going in here. But I know some people just, you know, half a chicken breast is not enough for them especially if they've had a busy day so let's get each of our chicken breasts on and you hear the lovely sizzle exactly there. if you've ever had it when you're browning off meat that it's stuck to the bottom of the pan and i know i've said it loads of times on the show the key is to have a really high sizzle at this stage which will prevent the meat from sticking but also give us that lovely caramelization which is all important for this so two on and two more to go there. Full chicken breast. Oh, you're being very generous, I have to say. Yes, and but like as I say, I think there's loads and loads in this. For me, even a half a chicken breast would do me for this job. And we're going to just brown them up. They won't be cooked through to the centre. And then we're going to get the Italian part of this going, which is our lovely um, vegetables. So we're going to do sofrito which is carrot, onion and celery all diced up nicely. A little bit of garlic, tin of tomatoes and then we have some rosemary and oregano going in as well. So it's going to be a lovely rich stew but not so rich that like, you know, it's too heavy for warmer days. Beautiful. And you can hear there on the pan belting away there the four chicken breasts browning nicely on one side and Tara will flip them over in a moment and as she said there, not cooking them all of the way through. That'll happen when the uh, liquids go in, vegetables and everything else. So, how many minutes have you sort of given them there on side one? So, about two to three minutes on each side. And look now, you see lovely golden caramelisation there. It's not sticking to the pan because I've had it good and hot. And I can flip it over really, really easily. And we're just going to brown it up on the other side as well. But you see all these golden caramelised bits at the bottom of the pan. They're the gold. That's where the flavour is. So, we want to make sure we keep those. So I'm going to remove them to a plate now and I'm going to turn the heat down on the pan because I'm going to add my vegetables in now. So once I add my vegetables in, you don't want, them, you don't want the heat too, too high because you want to caramelise them and soften them without burning them on the edges. And leave a little bit of a bite in them, I'm sure, too. A little bit, yeah, a little bit. I mean, we don't want complete mush, but at the same time, it's a nice kind of soft stew at the same time. So chicken breast done, browned lovely on both sides there. 
and the veg now going in on the pan as Tara said all those little gnarly bits all those gorgeous little sticky bits at the bottom how tasty are they going to be so now I'm adding in my onion and my carrot and my celery so I have a really large carrot here I have two sticks of celery and an onion I have garlic to go in as well but we'll wait until the onion carrot and celery get a little bit of coloration on them first and we'll give this about five or ten minutes with a pinch of salt and the lid on that's the classic Italian combination, isn't it? Celery, onion and carrot. Yes, and it's called a sofrito. So, like, it's used for loads of different bases, particularly in the more northern parts of Italy, you know, where there's colder weather. It's a lovely kind of rich, comforting base. Let that have a nice little sleep there with the lid on and we'll be back in a few moments to bring it all together. We take the lid off the Le Creuset dish there. Oh, look at that. And hold on. Oh, such an aroma. <laughs> so they have been just sweating off really nicely there. And we want to get that lovely golden caramelization going. Now, if you wanted, and I didn't include this in the recipe because it's not coming in at under six euros then at that point. But if you had a little splash of white wine or red wine or marsala in the cupboard, you could splash it in there now. But since it's not on the, uh, on the price uh, point for today, I'm not going to do it today. But when I'm making this other times, if I have a little bit of red wine, I'll do that. You are opening a tin of tomatoes. Let's get our tin of tomatoes in there. We're going to just put that through with those lovely vegetables. This is um, Dr. Coy's vegetable stock, which is a store cupboard ingredient I would often have there. And I'm just swirling out my tin of tomatoes with it. And now, look, we have a lovely stew base in there. Beautiful, it really is. So your vegetables with the tomatoes in there now and the uh, stock added. One more thing to go in now, or two more, is it? Yes, so now our oregano and our dried rosemary. And I'm using dried on purpose, and I know, you know, I always use a lot of fresh herbs. But in this situation, I think dried is lovely in a stew situation because it really, really gives off more flavour than the fresh does. And sometimes the fresh can nearly start to go a little bit bitter in there. So you're just bringing that now to a nice bubble. Tara's reaching across for the... A lovely coloured chicken breast and you're just putting them into the pan. Once the base of the stew has come up to a little simmer as it has there, we're just going to nestle these chicken breasts back in and any lovely juices that might be on your plate, pop those in as well. And then lid on and now we're going to leave that simmering away for a good 15 to 20 minutes. Oh, when you wait for something, the waiting is well worthwhile because we're back to our Italian-style chicken stew and it's been working away there in the cooker for how long? So, Jerry, we've had it simmering there for about 20 minutes. Well, it was probably about 15 minutes and then I turned the heat off and just kind of let it rest for a few minutes before serving up. And as you can see there now, I've just popped the chicken breast onto the bowl and I've just topped it with the lovely sauce. And here I am. Just doing some Parmesan cheese, just grating it over, and a couple of little basil leaves. And for me, this is a great, healthy, healthy, nutritious, filling, satisfying, but on a budget, dinner. Like, it's a proper dinner, you know? <laughs> I love the way you say that. <laughs> and you can serve this up with mashed potato, rice, pasta, whatever you fancy. Let me have a little taste. Yes, is that all right? Cherry. I'm going to use a, an often trotted out phrase here. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. <laughs> that is just it's sensational. Isn't it lovely? And the longer you let that sauce simmer down, so if you're not in a hurry, before you add the chicken breasts back in, if you remember, we just brown them off on each side, the longer you can let that sauce simmer down before you add the chicken breast back in the better week two brucey bonus yes here we have just boiled up our sauce with some some vegetable stock just giving it a very rough bits as i say you could have put a little bit of pasta here into the sauce or some cannellini beans or butter beans just to bulk it out say if you want to bring it to work maybe in a flask that'll be a good idea but for today i'm just doing it like this nice and simple pop it into a bowl with some parmesan cheese and a little bit of basil and that is our soup. And I think this is just a great way to get a little lunch for four. I've always worked from home. So I love to have things like this, leftovers from dinner. So a little bit of Parmesan on. A tiny bit of extra virgin olive oil just to give a nice little glossiness and a little bit of flavour. And finally, a couple of basil leaves. All of which I had for the main event, the chicken stew. So it is just stretching those ingredients further with our spend to give it this little extra dish. And as Tara said, if you wanted pasta or beans or anything with it, you could make it into a more substantial meal. Exactly. So even, actually, my mother loves a beans stew, a Tuscan beans stew. 
um, she's on her own, so she makes it for two or three evenings, and it's she's not really into meat, so it's perfect for her as an evening meal with a nice crunchy ciabatta or something. Let me have a little taste of that and just give the verdict as usual. Basil, the oil, the soup. There's something really Moorish about that. Isn't it lovely? So, And you can imagine, I don't know, do you have lunch at work at your desk? <laughs> but you could imagine on a cold day, um, if you brought that into work or you're working from home and you have it at your desk, it's really, really hearty and filling. Do you know how many years it is since I've had a lunch? What do you do for lunch at work? We'll all be, all the listeners will be wondering, what do you do? Well, let me tell you, we do nothing. What I do is I have an early lunch, say around 11am in the morning. I'd have a soup at home and maybe a sandwich like that. And then nothing through till I'd go home and cook the evening meal at six o'clock. So that's ironic. You have an early lunch to host a show called The Late Lunch. No, you haven't. <laughs> but yeah, something like this would be ideal, I just think. If you've made your stew the night before, then have this the next day for your lunch. Terrific. So we're finishing off today saying goodbye to you from Tara Walker with this beautiful, beautiful dish, Italian-style chicken stew, and followed by the soup add-on as well. And again, remind our listeners where they can get these recipes and follow you. So all of the recipes are on tarawalker.ie, and I'll post the link to the show as well so that people can listen back, and on Instagram as well, tarawalkerchef2, because I was hacked and I had to start again. So it's tarawalkerchef2 on the number two we'll see you again soon great to see you as always Jerry. you're with late lunch on LMFM radio this Wednesday afternoon can I draw your attention to a wonderful talk that's happening this evening Dulik Heritage Group are hosting a talk on Kate Kennedy this very evening at 7 o'clock in the courthouse Dulik and it's been given by our very own Mr Ken Murray everybody welcome light refreshments will be served after the talk who is Kate Kennedy? Well, US Vice President Kamala Harris mentioned Dulik's Kate Kennedy in Washington when she met Taoiseach Leo Varadkar during the St. Patrick's celebrations. It came just a week after the US Ambassador to Ireland, Claire Cronin, unveiled a bust to celebrate the extraordinary achievements of the local woman who entered the history books towards the end of the 19th century when her persistent agitation eventually persuaded the San Francisco Board of Education to introduce equal pay for equal work. Kamala Harris herself is from Oakland, where Kate Kennedy lived and died. That's Ken Murray this evening in the courthouse to leak. Well worth getting along to. And, of course, we featured Kate with Ken on late lunch back when the bust was unveiled. Now, I don't know whether you noticed uh, in the last day or so in the newspaper something we've been talking about here on late lunch interest rates on savings and for savers. It's been negligible and we spoke to the money doctor John Lowe just last week about it. Ireland lagging behind the rest of Europe. But did you see that Finance Minister Michal or Michael McGrath announced yesterday that he expected interest rates on savings to rise in the coming weeks. Yes, the NTMA will rise their rates, Mr McGrath, the minister said. And when that happens, hopefully it will put pressure on the banks to raise their interest rates too on their range of saving products because they're absolutely brutal at the moment. And that's what we need to see happening. It must happen. I hope this is not all talk. You know the usual thing in Ireland, we talk, we give out and nothing actually happens. Let's hope the minister is good to his word on this occasion, puts the state savings up and then puts the pressure on the guys and girls in the bank because it's very unfair Interest rates going up on borrowings, mortgages, banks making millions and billions. You've been reading about it, hearing about it, and yet they don't pass on to people who have their little savings put by and depend on that bit of interest every year to keep value in their money or get something for the hard-earned savings they've built up over the years. Let's see and watch this space what happens, but please God it will, and I'm encouraged by what the Minister has to say. You're with Late Lunch on LMFM Radio, Wednesday afternoon. It is back at Base Camp today after a wonderful day in Late Town yesterday. We're on our way to top of the hour, three now, in the company of Mr Rod Stewart and Baby Jane, but after three we have our top five countdown, and I'm taking a trip to the Mill Enterprise Hub in Drogheda to see what's going on. Five, four, three, two, one. Counting down the top five songs from this week of yesteryear. And today it's... Yes, it's Chris DeBerg at number three on our top five countdown today. And the song written for and dedicated to his wife, Diane. 
when they first met and the vibrant red dress she was wearing. The song is De Berg's signature tune, becoming a massive hit worldwide and eventually hitting top spot in the UK singles charts. Equally low than liked, the number three from this week in 1986 is Lady in Red. Chris De Lady in Red, number three on our top five countdown from this week in 1986. Up next on Late Lunch, I'm off to the Mill Enterprise Hub to find out what's going on. I've arrived at the Mill Enterprise Centre in Drogheda, a hive and a hub of activity this morning, and I'm joined on the show by Shona McManus. And Shona, your role here is? I'm co-chair of the board with my colleague Stephen Rice, who's also a co-chair as of this year. Um, he joined in uh, March of this year, and then I joined as co-chair um, last March, so year and a half. And Ronan Whitty as well, your role here? Uh, I am Director of Business Innovation and Enterprise here, Jerry. Great title. So we have the two main people with us this morning as we go for a walk around. So maybe, Shona, like, tell us about the mill and what it is. And Well, as you said yourself, Jerry, it's an absolute hive of activity. There's um, a number of, a, a large number of businesses here who are either startups or they're in operation a number of years and all would have a, an emphasis and focus on growth and development. Um, so they would be increasing employment. They'd be obviously driving out their own services and products that they're providing to their customers. Um, but it's, it's, a, it's a real collaborative environment. Um, Ronan and the team here would call each, say, person who's, who's in the mill, they call them the millers. And there's a lovely culture and environment here where people learn off each other, collaborate. Um, it's, it's wonderful, actually. And it's a really modern, lovely looking building as well. It's really fantastic. It certainly is. And Ronan, when you look around us here, we're on the ground floor and we're going to go up now in a few moments. Are you at full capacity here? Yes, we're, we're very close to full. We're not quite full. We'll always find room. There's always room in the inn. And uh, we're always looking to attract new and exciting businesses and helping them grow in the area. But we are close to full capacity at the moment. Have you room to push on and push out? Uh, well, look, we've ambitious and plans for the future. We've got a fantastic board here to help us deliver on those plans and we're, you know, we're, we're actively engaging and, and looking to plan on that. So we're actually in the process of, of forming our 2023 to 2026 strategic action plan at the moment. So we'll be unveiling that hopefully in the next two months. Great stuff. Let's walk on. Where are we headed here? We're in the reception area here at the moment. Yeah. Very left side there, Jerry. That's where oh, we also do virtual offices here. So all the registered posts are for, for virtual offices come in there. Um, to our left hand side here you'll see one of our new offices we've just launched and there's actually a company growing very fast there only started with us in um, May and have grown to about nine employees next month which is fantastic We're, one of the fortunate things we have here in the mill here is that we have these you know, air purification systems and that which has been very important over the last couple of years so all common spaces, all meeting rooms have that uh, air purification there you'll see here we've got our soundproof pods we've got four of these here as well which is great, you can go in there you can go in there for your Zoom calls, but if you fancy playing a bit of Thunderstruck, you can have that blaring out there as well, Jerry. No, no, no. As far as they're concerned, you're on a Zoom call. So uh, over here to our right-hand side, you'll just see uh, Studio 92. Studio 92 is named after, it's a bit of a play on Studio 54 with a splash of uh, Drogheda thrown in there because the postcode here is A92. So that's how we got the name Studio 92. And I think the, the big thing we stress for people using that is that well, if you've got podcast equipment in there, and lots of people want to set up a podcast nowadays, there's also an opportunity there. We've got green screen equipment in there, and we provide all camera recording studio equipment there, plus training material uh, vlogs are available on our website for members so that you can create LinkedIn content. People buy off who they know, who they trust, and getting your presence out there is a great you know, removes one of the great barriers for businesses looking to grow nowadays. And here at the mill, we can enable people to do that very cost-effectively. The big thing here in the mill is it's all about community, a supportive, inclusive community. And so in the summer now, we have the barbecue, and those are feeling brave enough get to taste my cooking once a month. So we run a barbecue out there once Master a month. <laughs> I want to work here. I want to work yeah, here, Shona McManus. <laughs> yes, it certainly is. Look at the kitchen area, the canteen area as well here for everybody. That's something I want to ask you, as we walk on. You know, when you think about this place here, there are a diverse range of businesses here. From your point of view, as owner of Osborne and on the, the board here as well, 
can that lead to synergies between the different businesses and opportunities and learning and knowledge? Is yeah. that the idea? Yeah, that is exactly the idea, Jerry. So there's lots of collaboration, as we said, lots of learning, talking, and through all of that comes ideas and innovation and sharing of knowledge. Ronan also has um, lunch and learn events that happen here in this space, in the canteen space, and often in the in the Eugene Kieran's conference suite there as well. And again, people are learning together, they're thinking together, they're creating together. It's that's what it's all about. That's what the Millers do here. Collaboration. And, and on that point, I may add, like on our rec- most recent survey, uh, 97% of Millers uh, identified that their business directly benefited from being located in the mill. I think that speaks volumes. Oh, it certainly does. Lovely to hear the name Eugene Kieran's mentioned and remembering yes, yeah, him in yeah. the context of this room. He was a wonderful man. Absolutely. He was a fantastic man. Now, we walk on. Where are we headed for now, Ronan? And I'll just start to lead you upstairs here now towards where the hot desk area and some more of our offices. We often find that people, when they come to the mill, they come for the facility, they stay for the community. And, and that, that, that's a big thing that we offer there to, to the companies here. But the other thing is, is that they find that why, why you come to the mill? So we've got our offices and we've got our hot deskers. And you often find that, the, particularly the hot deskers, they, they come for a variety of reasons. For instance, we, we might find that they, um, they may want to come because they want to get away from, you know, have a nice quiet environment. They might also want to find that they need meeting rooms. You've got a client coming in, proper professional business address as well. It's one of the reasons they come. So as I lead you up here, we have our pods here. Again, more of these soundproof acoustic pods here, which are great. Purposely planned to have them there, looking out in the gardens. It's just a nice, a nice space to have. Here then we have our hot desking area. So a combination of dedicated desks and floating desks. Dedicated desk is it's your desk and you have your monitor and your picture of the, the family and the cat and the dog. And then the floating desk then slightly cheaper. But you can just come in with your laptop and leave at the end of the day and use a different desk the next day. Both have options to avail of the facility here 24 7 I think is a major asset. How do people avail of the facilities? It's open to um, people who are of an entrepreneurial spirit, are, uh, want to set up a company or already have a company and are in growth mode. Um, we have a particular emphasis on tech and fintech, um, but we also look past that as well into different sectors. So I would say to anybody who is interested um, to reach out and speak to Ronan here in the mill or any of the team. Um, Anna is also here on our team, but certainly to speak to Ronan and Ronan can give them some very good guidance. Just go to the mill website at themilldrotter.ie you can go in there you can book a tour there's a calendly calendar in there you can access my calendar and just book a session with myself we'll take you around and one of the other things that we do for businesses here we've got over 100 different grants and supports that are available you don't have to be a miller for those who, who, who may be listening anyone who does come in here they'll get a 60 minute session where I'll go through their company which is very helpful Terrific. It's mightily impressive. And there are people working away here. I don't want to make too much noise and let them get on with their business there as well. It's a wonderful, wonderful place, Shona. You must be so proud of it. The amount of people who are working here and the businesses that have started here, developed here and are growing. Absolutely. I'm very proud to be part of it. Um, and it's something that even when I come in and uh, as part of the board meetings or indeed just day to day when I am down here, like I learn stuff myself here. You know, it really is fantastic. It's also a great resource to have locally here in Drogheda and for the greater, wider region of Drogheda and Louth, Mead, uh, Monaghan even, you know, with people coming over from. So it's a great facility. We need to make sure that people are very aware of it. They need to know that we're here and what supports are available to them. Ronan joined about 18 months ago, the mill, and um, since his joining, he's pulled together all of the funds that he's talked about and the resources available, etc. And that's very, very helpful for people as well. So it really is fantastic. It's an entrepreneurial spirit here. There's wonderful collaboration. It's a beautiful modern building and there's a great team and there's a great um, wider community of millers. It really is just fantastic. Just furthering on what Shona said there, like you know, we've seen great growth in our numbers in the last year. Our numbers from 2022, 2022 grew by 54%. And so, to your earlier question, we are reaching close to peak capacity, but we'll always find room for a new and exciting business in the area because that's what we're about supporting those. Thank you so much for inviting me to the mill today and I just want to say to listeners that this is the precursor of a new series we'll be starting in conjunction with the Mill Enterprise Centre in the autumn of the year where we're going to talk business under the umbrella of the mill. For the moment, thank you so much Ronan Whitty and Shona McManus. It's been great to be here.
Thank you. Thanks, Jerry. That's it on Late Lunch for today. Eddie Caffrey's coming next with The Drive. See you tomorrow for Thursday show from 1.30. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.